Hi, and welcome to episode 68 of Walk to Work. So today I'm talking with Michael and Tara about their experience uh, parenting their uh, baby daughter, Araha. Um, if you know Michael and Tara, you'll have met them in uh, the blues dance community or the fusion dance community. Uh, you'll know that they're, um, I would put it as people who uh, walk their own path. Uh, in a lot of things, like obviously other times they kind of conform to society's expectations and other times they do their own thing, each in their own uh, very individual ways. And they bring a huge warmth and energy and sense of support to uh, a space. And uh, there they uh, were at uh, Berlin Movement Immersion Camp um, with Brenda and Catherine. And so they were there um, with uh, their, their daughter. Um and uh, their way of uh, parenting both seem to me um, super intuitive and also kind of in conformance with my expectation uh, that Michael and Tara would do things uh, their way, which I think is very similar to how a lot of um, uh, other parents uh, parent their children, including uh, other people who've been at camp uh, at uh, immersion camps with uh, babies before, uh, such as uh, Gabriel and Nolwen. Uh, but anyway, that's why I was super excited to talk with them uh, about uh, this experience of meeting this new person, Araha. And so I kind of see it as what happens if you treat babies like people, because they are people, uh, and kind of discussing the consequence of that. Uh, so we took our time uh, to record this because uh, Araha had had various needs such as eating and sleeping uh, and being involved in a conversation that uh, was at least a part uh, about her. Uh, so you'll see that there's a lot of uh, cuts and possibly uh, non sequiturs in the various segues throughout the episode. Um, enjoy. Uh, today I'm joined by Tara and Michael and Araha, although Araha right now is sleeping I think she will need some more sleep quite soon, but she's interested in what's going on here. Cool. Uh, Mummy and Daddy are talking to Greg about our experience so far being your parents. We're not really talking about you, but we might end up talking a bit about you. But <laughs> really our intention is to talk about us what our choices are, what we are doing, what we are experiencing. So I guess the, the starting point for me was, uh, so you, you sent out a message before camp, we're at camp here, uh, and uh, saying, we'll be here with Araha, uh, if you want to interact with Araha, uh, she, you and she can figure out that you do want to interact, and just like don't interact with her, she clearly or even unclearly does not want to be interacted with. I think you phrased it kind of less awkwardly than I just did. <laughs> yeah, I, I spent I, some time on spent it. Spent some time. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, like uh, we we just wanted to, you know, a lot of people here we've known for a long time, and they know we've had a baby, and they're excited to meet the baby, and like. We wanted to avoid the possible situation of we arrive here and then everyone's like, oh, 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 I want to meet the baby. Hello, baby. And that's, that's just like kind of 
overwhelming when she's settling into a new environment somewhere she's never been before. City she's just arrived in. Different sounds and smells and different things to see. Hi, Ara. So yeah, I, I got the impression that uh, your parents were like, let's treat you like an actual person, <laughs> which shouldn't sound that radical, but it seems like there's kind of a whole bunch of far-reaching consequences that I hadn't considered, which is why I wanted to talk, to, to chat with you guys about some of your choices. So uh, starting from there, what are consequences of uh, considering that the child is an actual person? Well, I think that maybe you've sort of drawn conclusions of things being consequences <laughs> of that more than we have because, you know, we just kind of go about our lives and... Um, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're not close to other parents um, where we're living. Uh, we do have some friends who have recently had a baby as well, but like, we, they live the other side of the city, so we <laughs> somehow haven't seen them a lot since then. So, so we're, we're not really seeing how other people parent up close. Mm. Um, so like we're doing what makes sense to us and we're getting if some, some advice from books and the internet. But like, yeah, so, so there's what's the consequence of that. Like we, we find out what works and what makes sense to us. And, and it's not a decision through. we made to treat her like a person, like she just is one, and then we respond naturally mm. to having this new person in our lives. So um, maybe the, the radicalness of that, just, or the, the consequences, I call it, that that just uh, are more self-evident when you're interacting with other people who have other modes of interactions with babies uh, that maybe are not those that you guys are having. Yeah, so um, definitely we, we do find that we run up against a lot of people just completely not understanding um, the idea that Araha could um, have her own opinions on how she might like to be interacted with and, um, or, you know, that, that they might need to check with her before just reaching out and touching her. And they can be very defensive um, when we try to assert her rights because they're just not used to it. Hmm. Yeah, like people will ask us, sometimes, like people who are good at consent will ask us if they can touch her and like we can have our own opinion on that and we, we can say no, but like... We can't say yes. Yeah, <laughs> but if, if we're comfortable with them touching her, then we then pass it over to her. Yes. And like, we expect people to um, be able to like make eye contact and like approach her in a way that she can see that maybe they're reaching towards to touch, like offer a hand and see if she responds by taking the hand or by moving away. Like, mm -hmm. And then sometimes she doesn't, and that's okay. Yes. Like yes. earlier, I was like, "Would you like a finger?" And clearly, she did not want a finger. So. Um. Yeah, I think we covered that the interactions with other people yeah. pretty yeah. well. Um, I think I, I hadn't realised until quite recently that a thing that we do differently from at least some parents is that um, we really keep our hand informed about what 
what's actually going to be going on in our family, where we're going to be going, what's happening today, who we're going to meet, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like if we're actually going away somewhere, we tell her many days in advance so that it's really, really being led up to. I mean, we're, we live in Portugal, we're right now in Germany, we've been here for almost a month traveling around, so that's a really huge trip for a baby who turned five months old during the trip. Yeah. So we we have been telling her about that for like half her life. <laughs> and she didn't understand all the words that we used. Like, I mean, we're pretty sure she didn't understand. <laughs> well, like, we tell her we're going on a plane. She's not been on a plane before, so yeah. she wouldn't have known the implications of that. Um, but I, I think just the act of telling, making her feel included, knowing that decisions are being made like we're talking about something new and different that's mm-hmm. going to like inform her that something different is happening and to be when when something different does happen go oh this is probably what they were talking about mm-hmm. rather yeah. than something different's happening yeah what <laughs> yeah yeah that's just yeah that's but like i until a friend mentioned that their relatives don't do that, it hadn't really occurred to me that that might not be just the absolute norm. Like, you know, we didn't it, it, like think of this as a practice and discuss that we'll do it. It's just. And so people come up to you and notice this thing, and they're like, "Oh, you're doing such and such a thing. <laughs> uh, is it from this book or something?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that one, no one said it was from a book or something. They were just like. I think that might be why my relative is sometimes upset because they don't know what's happening. (laughs) 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 And so when they're they're talking and explaining, you're saying you're not quite sure there's some things that she doesn't understand. Um, Yeah, she can't possibly actually understand everything. Like, she wouldn't know what Germany actually is. We don't understand everything. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, but yeah. she definitely gets some sort of general gist from actually everything we say. And sometimes it seems like she really understood the actual meaning exactly of the words. And we have to be really careful what we say around her, actually. Yeah. Someone yesterday was talking about uh, uh, an equestrian problem that they had, which I think uh, <laughs> I, I related too strongly. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, so someone talked about something that sounded very scary to Araha, and she had a big cry. And then the immediate response of the group of our friends around was to um, to try to cheer her up, and she was really confused because that's not her experience of of what what happens when she's just with her family and she gets upset we don't actually just try and cheer her up yeah we don't we don't try to change what she's feeling we try to acknowledge what she's feeling yes and and support her in processing it yeah like we see that you're upset it makes sense to feel upset at that what's happened and often but also giving her reassurance reassurance that it's actually fine, if it is actually fine, and mm. not if it isn't. <laughs> the, the thing that will pass, will pass. Yeah. And you can sort of look forward to that, but you don't actually have to bring it to the present. And 
experience it right away. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, one time, one time, like, baby's fingernails grow really fast. (laughs) (laughs) She had scratched herself in the mouth or something and was bleeding a little bit. It's It's a thing that happens. And she was crying, crying. And I looked at her and acknowledged that she was crying and figured out what it was and saw her bleeding. And I was like, you're in pain. What you're experiencing is pain. And this is your body telling you that something's wrong. <laughs> and and like, this is correct because something is wrong. And her eyes went wide. And she, she was, was like, so concerned. Like, I feel like she was expecting me to be like, it's okay, it's okay. And I told her that. Something's not okay, but it will be okay. And she calmed right down. <laughs> I explained, like, you have a wound, but your body's really good at healing things. So good at healing things. And if you keep drinking the milk that you're getting, like, you're getting everything you need to rebuild what's been, what's been cut, and it'll automatically just grow back together, and you're really good at this. Mm-hmm. And, but, like, for that moment when I was telling her that, that this pain is here for a reason to tell you something's wrong and it and it is wrong she, like, like the look she gave me it's like oh my <laughs> <laughs> whoa yeah. but everything was great and your mouth yeah. was all back together again long ago isn't it baby <laughs> mm-hmm. so another I'm still thinking of these as kind of the line of treating people as people uh, people have needs and wants uh that don't necessarily co- correspond uh, or with other people's like someone might want to take a nap and someone might want to actually uh, be sung at or sung mm-hmm. with uh, and that though uh, and I was saying also that for recording this podcast we've been at it for quite a while uh, and maybe there's a there's definitely a part of me that sort of babies don't need that much attention on them <laughs> we could have just done this and ignored our hurt and it would have been fine but it's also why I'm talking to you guys um, because I mean why why would we uh, so I was wondering kind of a lot of uh, your schedule seems to be affected heavily um, by uh, by our hurt schedule um, and I think some parents uh, I'm not a parent so maybe parents who hear me will be like well Greg clearly you're not a parent <laughs> you're asking this question um, but seem to consider that the, this inconvenience of meeting uh, a tiny person's schedule, there's only so far you should actually take it. Um, yes, which is exactly what I find myself thinking about the way some other people choose to parent. Um, <laughs> because actually what, what is quite commonly done is more that um, people have the idea that having a schedule is, or a, um, a routine is very important for babies. So they construct a routine based on a 24-hour clock for their baby and then they're tied to it and they, they have so few possibilities for what they can do in their life because they're tied to the schedule on the 24-hour clock for their baby, which their baby didn't actually demand but adapts themselves to. <laughs> um, yeah, and which is not how we do things. We do things more in a sort of responding to what Arahas needs are right now or what we perceive them as being going to be soon. Um, and so that actually enables us to you know, be doing this travel and 
you know, actually being at an intensive intensive dance training week and, mm-hmm. and really getting something out of it. And, and so, it so I don't feel tied to things really exactly. Like it's just that there's a person who really needs me quite often and I go and do what she needs. But that's that's how my normal life is now. So I'm just doing my normal life in a different place with other things going on. And we're... Um we have taken longer doing this podcast because we have chosen during this time to prioritise our house needs um, a bit more than we might have if there were more other people inconvenienced. Like, we would still pay attention to her needs, but like if it was the whole class who was waiting when we paused for a little bit, <laughs> then we might have just been like, oh, like, Tara, you go, I'll just do the podcast or, or something. Yes. Um, so that's like maybe that's what how much we're valuing your time <laughs> you can take that how you like but, but like realistically if there's a deadline we have, like we have to get this train at this time and our heart doesn't understand that we can just say to her like this has to happen like it doesn't matter you're upset like we have to like we we will do that explaining to her that we're acknowledging her feelings but choosing to do something that is to us prioritizing over them yeah, yeah. but yeah. like yeah we're not just <laughs> we're absolutely not just down to her schedule no and we definitely you know we we have to we have needs to and we have to take care of them and we we fit it all in around how we can manage to, and that gets easier and easier as she gets older. But we're still like learning how to do it. Like some days, we're exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. So like taking a break for her to have a nap, for example. I mean, if we didn't do that, then we'd still have had to interrupt the podcast because she'd start having a big cry. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So like a lot of yeah, we, we we try to be sensitive about her needs when they're arising, and not when they're becoming a big it's problem. Just, yeah. And part of the reason that you're both talking to me, um, as opposed to one who takes care of our her and the other one does the podcast, is um, for you two uh, being co-parents is a really important part. Yes. Do you want to say more about that? There's so many things we could say about that. <laughs> um, like, um, Tara's um, practicing breastfeeding with our her. Um, that's not something I can do. So there's like a basic biological difference in how we are as parents. Um, and that that gives me more freedom. Like I, I've been able to do more things that are going away. Like, obviously there's, there's differences. Um, but in terms of like the absolute amount of responsibility, we consider ourselves equal. Yeah. And because Michael is um, like really fully self-employed and just works how much he chooses to, um, we've really been able to share the parenting. Um, and it makes everything so much easier. Um, yeah, I, d- I don't quite know how people do it when they're just left with a little baby by themselves at home all day. Um, I'm not quite sure how, how I would go to the <laughs> toilet sometimes and, and feed myself. 
Um, we, we have both sat with her on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> right, this, this, this that, happens. Yeah, it happens, but yeah. Um, but like, you don't want to wake her up for it. <laughs> but also I would say that um, because we actually struggled with breastfeeding in the beginning, we would never have actually gotten it working without Michael's really, really strong support. Um, like as in actually being present and helping every single feed happen for more than a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, I, and I, it's really, really important to me yeah. to be mm. able to feed her this magical food product that my body somehow manages to produce without me having to have a clue how to do it. Um, and it's actually like a lot more relaxing now that you are because when we were feeding her a formula like that has to be prepared and it has to be prepared in advance of when she needs it and got down to the right temperature and like you yeah. can't be as responsive if you have like if you're not doing things in this natural with your body way and i could not have faced traveling around for a month we wouldn't have been able to stay here at eden because they're not facilities yeah <laughs> so yeah, that's something I'm immensely grateful for. Um, so is your experience of camp that you've had to, I mean, or of life in general even, that you have to kind of improvise improvise in the sense that whatever our whole need at any given time of day is not knowable ahead of time necessarily? Yeah, we know the uh, rough outline. Like, we have some kind of general impression of how much and often she needs to sleep and eat and stuff. But that's changeable. Especially when we're doing things like camp and there's travelling to get here and like she hasn't been on a regular home schedule coming here and being here. So like Yeah. We don't know exactly how she'll respond to that. That's right. She might come to a class and be like really focused, paying attention to the class and then really tired out after that. So she Yeah, or the other night she there. kept herself up past her bedtime because she wanted to go to dancing class in the evening. Mm. She totally did. <laughs> yeah, Michael, you suggested that uh, she wasn't uh, a student at the camp and she did not she like that totally one. totally a student at the camp. It's not what he meant That's to not say. What I meant. <laughs> like, no, it's like really, sometimes, sometimes like, she responds to the words we say and like we didn't think we meant them literally, but like. Yeah, she responds to the literal meaning sometimes. And then we have to examine ourselves and be like, why did I say it like that? Like, why, why did I ask a rhetorical question when I could have just said, I don't know this? Like, yeah, one time I said, so baby, you're going to have to decide, do you want to do this or that? And she was so upset and, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm sorry, yes, you're way too little to make that decision. And it's not what I really meant. I really meant I, I'm not sure what to do and I'm having to figure it out. But I said that she was going to have to decide. And yeah, she really didn't like it. <laughs> but now she uh, is a lot happier also about, or confident in making uh, decisions and making her needs known. She still like, wouldn't even, have wanted to make that decision now. Even mm -hmm. before then, she, like, so I guess the way, uh, I'm, I, I was just like, when, when we were talking about doing a podcast, I, I started thinking about this exact concept, like, and I've been trying to find the right, right words for it. I'll try now. Um, 
we don't usually offer her to make decisions because making a decision like there's a cognitive load it's it's actually tiring to make decisions uh-huh. what we do is give her space to express wants and needs mm. and preferences uh-huh. and that can be that she like we're dancing and she's like expressing that she wants more dancing she's happy with that and then we have another dance and then it can be that she wants another dance and I go okay but actually I need to do something else now um, so like she's she's expressing a preference I'm making the decision but you don't ask her would you like another dance you just see whether she does yeah <laughs> but if, if my decision is that uh, if, if if it's the same to me, then I could say, like, uh, no, uh, yeah, I never, I never, yeah, do, no, that. I never do that. No, you don't. You just, <laughs> you just wait and see yeah. what she seems to want. Yeah. 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 So like, there's a cognitive load to making decisions. I don't think there's that kind of exhaustion from expressing preferences, and it's actually like. Um, enlivening to feel free to express what am I feeling what am I wanting like for some of us to say I want this I need this is hard because we've like learnt not to through our society and maybe our upbringing but like then when we do it it feels empowering (laughs) it's something that we get energy from Making decisions takes energy, but expressing preferences gives energy. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's my current working model of it, and it seems <laughs> it seems to describe what I'm doing, <laughs> and it seems to be working. So, yeah. But, yeah. And so some of the things uh, that she expresses, she uses kind of directing herself uh, when you're ho- when you guys are holding her. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're very excited about this, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like we. Like, this is something that we've developed as dance techniques, the ability to lean in for, like, movements. But, like, yeah, when I hold her, I feel which way she wants to go, and I can go in that direction with her. And this is... It's exactly the same as following a dance. Mm-hmm. And, like, it can just be, like, when we go for a walk and she's looking at trees, she's just like, oh, I'm interested in this one. And let's go have a look at this tree. Really towards it, and we go towards it. But it, it can be um, desire to to drink, um, a desire to have a bath, um, and it's super relaxing for her. Mm. Um, like when she's upset, I like one of the often one of the quickest ways I can help her calm down is to just to pick her up and follow because then mm-hmm. that's putting her into a position of agency where she's able to where she feels safe she's held she's not off by herself but she, she's able to express and trust that what she expresses will be listened to and then, then we find out what she wanted and sometimes it's what we thought she wanted mm. but, <laughs> but calmer now and sometimes when I'm really not sure what she wants um, I actually asked Michael, can you please just take her and, and see? Like, particularly when we don't have fully developed breastfeeding skills mm-hmm. yet, and so I couldn't really tell whether she actually wanted to be feeding and was just struggling with it, or whether she didn't want to. 
and so I would ask Michael to take her and see if she just walked straight back to me or not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was really the, useful. The interesting problem I had there is that you said you ask me to do it, which you do. And this is, um, we talked about being like, kind of equal parents. And yeah, the, the reason you ask me to do it rather than just do it yourself is because if you're holding her, then there's a tendency that she'll then try to feed even if it's not actually what she wants. There was at there was, the time yeah, when that was necessary. Yeah, and that's right. Maybe not so much now. No, not so much now. Um, but yeah, the other so thing it's, is... it's helpful having two parents in these different roles. Yeah. And so we're, like, we're equal, but we're like mother and father. Like, mm -hmm. It's different. Like, but she, she can lead me. She can. But it's not our habitual mm. way of being to be doing this lead and follow thing, whereas it's how she spends the majority of the time that she spends with you, actually. Yeah. And yeah, with me, she's like, when you, when you carry her, she's more often facing inwards because you yes. carry her to feed, especially. Yeah. I'm more like, like, I need to learn a different way of using the wrap to carry her so that she can face outwards. But when I carry her in my arms, it's like, yeah, it's a podcast I can't demonstrate. <laughs> facing outwards, and she's looking out into the world, and so, mm -hmm. yeah. So that's the end of uh, part one. Um, next week we'll have part two, uh, where um, we talk about the first time uh, that um, uh, Michael actually uh, met Araha. We talk a little bit about um, the concerns that uh, Tara and Michael have about uh, describing Araha as being, for example, a, a happy baby. Um, we discuss uh, how parents often are under a lot of pressure to do things right, uh, to, to do the right thing, and that Tara and Michael actually don't uh, subscribe to that pressure particularly and try to not put it on each other. Um, And I can't quite remember where we end off, but I guess we'll all find out about that next week. Uh, take care, and I'll see you then.